0: You also really need to have someone who's a really good listener because these people, these creators, they're not just creators, they're human beings. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be valued for the work that they're putting out there. They take so much time out of their day to make this content.
1: You are listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. I bet you're wondering what you've gotten yourself into. I'm going to give it to you straight. It's going to be a good time, a great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. In this episode, we are covering affiliate marketing with Jessica Doherty. Jess lives and breathes influencer marketing, considering it's not just her job, but a part of her very personality. She's all about nurturing authentic creators who are truly passionate about their craft. As a social media and influencer marketing manager at Osmo Salt, she's been instrumental in taking the company's delicious product to the forefront, of platforms like tiktok making waves and gaining attention worldwide so let's talk marketing with jessica jess welcome to let's talk marketing i'm excited to have our listeners may not know that we have had so many conversations but i'm always excited to talk to you so welcome to the podcast Thanks. I'm super excited to be here again.
0: Not on the same podcast, but with you in general.
1: (laughs) We won't talk about the unnamed (laughs) podcast. Let's dive in with getting to know you a little bit. It's always where I like to get started. We want to be able to share with everybody what your just marketing journey is. So share with us what your first marketing role was or what you would consider a marketing role and then what your current role is.
0: Yeah, okay, I will say my first real marketing role in corporate was at a company called Organifi, but my first look into the world of marketing was when I was at Lululemon. This was a long time ago now. It's crazy to think that it's been so long since I've been there because I worked there for three years and now it's been three years since I've worked there. It's wild. It's been such a long time since this era of my life wearing black stretchy pants to work every day. (laughs) But it sounds cozy. Honestly, I'm doing that now because I'm on a camera on Zoom. (laughs) But yeah, when I was there, it wasn't really about being online it was more about marketing in person that word of mouth marketing we had store ambassadors and like going to their class so it was definitely a very different variation of marketing than what i'm used to and i was just telling someone about this the other day too because when i got my first role in marketing get a corporate job startup company health and wellness superfoods like all online influencers on instagram tiktok etc I literally don't know how I got the job. I must have milked the fact that I worked with in-store ambassadors and I was a really good (laughs) event planner because that's what I did for college. My major was event marketing, hospitality management. I know I'm hospitable, and I put myself out there into something new and got this role at Organifi the role was called, what was it? Community manager. No, not community manager. Collective city manager. That's what it was called. And this was mid COVID October of 2020 when they thought the world was going to be opening a lot faster than it actually was. Cause part of my role was supposed to be building out local events. So like I was East coast, I was located in the Boston area and I was supposed to be putting on events for like influencers. This never happened. So it worked out in my favor because that's how I ended up being involved in so much of the Instagram world of marketing with influencers and like learning about all of this and kind of diving deeper and really finding my niche for like my love for influencer marketing there, which was really great. I love that. And where are you at right now? Right now, I am at Osmo Salt. I left Organifi, and Actually, I think I left on April Fool's Day of 2022. <laughs> it wasn't a joke, <laughs> but I left. And I started at Osmo like two days later. I was just so excited. Technically, I'm employee number one there. So as I dove into this, I was able to build this program from the ground up. And that was the number one thing that was super exciting to me when I was starting at Osmo was because at Organify, the program had been pretty established as it was. By the time I left, I was pretty much the only one running the program at this point. And we have 700 influencers. It was just like, unobtainable for one person. So for me, a fresh new start and being able to build a program out that was more matched to me as an individual because like, I love cooking. I love marketing, obviously. I love social media. So for me, it was great to be able to find individuals that I knew would match Osmo really well and build this program from scratch. Right now I'm there and I'm doing their influencer marketing and social media. So I'm the social media influencer marketing manager. <laughs> hey, Long, nice. long-winded role.
1: Mouthful. <laughs> but I also think it's something that happens commonly, especially in the influence marketing space. A brand wants to do it. They may have social media. If they do, whoever's on social media is now all of a sudden the influencer manager and is expected to know and be able to do all of the things. And in our strategy session, we'll definitely dive into building out an affiliate program and whatnot. But I'd love to know in your current role as the doer of all things in marketing, honestly, because let's (laughs) just call it space, right? What is it that you love about what you do? But conversely, what would you pluck out of it if you were like, it would be perfect if I just didn't have to do this part? (laughs)
0: Honestly, it's so funny because, and this is nothing against Osmo because I love my job, literally love my job so much. But if any brand out there is looking to hire a social media influencer marketing manager as a large scale brand, they should not be doing that because this person that's not at a startup should be paid separately for each role. It's two rules. You're able to build it into one at a very small brand because we have to. We're literally wearing so many hats and doing so many different things. But I think for me, the number one thing I love is the relationship building. And I you know this about me. I could talk to a wall. I literally <laughs> love
1: I've seen you talk to well, a <laughs> now, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Let me turn this way. <laughs> like, no, but I just absolutely love. The relationship building, meeting new creators, making them feel like really special because they are like the content that they create on the daily, some of which also have full time jobs and then are doing this on the side. They deserve to have the gratitude towards them for doing these things for smaller brands like us. That is really exciting to me to be like, hey, I just want to send you this product. No expectations necessary. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. I just want to get this product out there. So that's what's really exciting to me is like the gifting aspect, finding creators that are also smaller, not the ones that are like carrying in 200K followers. Like, yeah, they're great and it's awesome. But a lot of the times we talk about all the time is these smaller creators, they're the ones that are really bringing in the views and the community. And they're the ones that I really want to nourish. I think for me too, the ones, the part of my job that I would want to remove is probably just the little nitty gritty stuff that like you do on the daily that just takes up time and energy away from building those relationships. So like, Maybe it's scheduling social media, but yeah, I mean, we have platforms for this, but it still takes time to schedule it all out and then make sure it's posting. And in the world we live in right now, I just read an article on it the other day. Social media managers need to be able to work on the fly, whether it's catching on to trends and posting stuff for that, or maybe something's happening in the world and you're like, okay, that's funny and it relates to our brand, so let's post about it. And like things change so much promos change so much at small brands. You might have to go back and change that. So it's just like being able to work on the fly, but I really do wish I had more time for my people.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you, you have the best personality to be just Thank kind you. of in this space because you do need to be able to build relationships, be gregarious and approachable all at the same time. And you definitely encompass all of those things. But I'm also right there with you in regards to being able to remove, if you could, all of those I will call them mundane tasks. And I think also there's this misconception, especially from a social media perspective that, oh, you're just quote unquote scheduling. That should be really fast. No, this actually takes time because in order to schedule, you have to have the visual. You also have to have the copy. And if you're on multiple networks, Oh my goodness! It is. It takes a long time to schedule, even just like a week. It could take the entire day to truly be thoughtful about what it is that you're doing. If anybody never says mind all it, the new social media platforms, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I always feel like if anybody says that they can do it really fast, that you're missing something. You're copying and pasting a lot of stuff that maybe should be a little bit more thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, I love this chat, GPT. <laughs> Me too. I love it as an assistant, but I also, because I use chat GPT, I can tell when a post is chat GPT. Me too. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's chat GPT. You took no time. I'm all for assistance because you and I are both on the same, in kind of the same environment where we have very tiny teams. So you have a lot to do. I think that's the advantage of AI or the advantage that AI has brought to marketers is it all of a sudden it gives you like, a person to go back and forth with.
0: Yeah. I feel like
1: the answer. And I'm like,
0: eh, not like that very much. I'm going back to my original.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just needed to bounce this off of someone to know that I was right. So you were wrong. It's I was true. Right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now we were talking about just kind of social media networks and just kind of how quickly it does move. So I'm really curious if you use any social media networks. And what I mean by that is like, are you looking at Instagram? Ooh, threads. We haven't even talked about threads. LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that stuff. Do you use any social media networks for inspiration, education, or entertainment? And if so, which ones? Yeah.
0: I consider myself a nerd about this, but because I'm on Instagram and TikTok and threads now daily, my go-to when I have free time is LinkedIn. And I love scrolling through LinkedIn. I love posting on LinkedIn. When I see that little percentage at the top goal, it's like, you've had 1,000% engagement this week. I'm like, Hell yeah, I have. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I was like, boom, boom, right? I'm like, what did I do this week? <laughs> I'm like, and lately I've been a little slower about it because I've had a lot going on. But that is my go-to because I feel like it's educational. One, you're seeing things that other people in your network that you probably don't follow on other social media accounts posting content. So it's really fun for me as someone in the space who like constantly want to learn and maybe I don't have to times like watch like a webinar or something for an hour. So I'm like, okay, let me just go scroll through LinkedIn for a little while and see what I find. That's usually my go-to. I feel like TikTok and Instagram can get really saturated with trends. And I see this all the time, especially with some of my creators who like one of them just went viral for this. I can't remember what the ice cream's called, but this little ice cream bar. And now people are reposting it and not tagging her and giving her credit. So like you see that a lot on these platforms where it's, okay, where did this actually come from? And you can't trace it because not everyone is good about tagging people. But I feel like on LinkedIn, if people are reposting things, it's easier to see where it came from. So I like seeing where credit's due and also seeing the professional aspect and like people having fun with it now and getting a little more loosey-goosey. So I think it's a good app for me.
1: I get inspired there. Oh, I like that. Inspired and educated and even entertained over there. Yes. All right, now let's remove social networks completely because again, this is a fast-paced business. How do you stay up to date on trends if we remove social networks? Is there a newsletter or a website? Like where do you go to?
0: Oh, I like that too. I actually still get marketing brew emails through my email threads. I do like clicking on them. Sometimes I will say that they are a little... What's the word? Ad heavy. Because brands are paying them. Yeah, yeah it's promotional for yeah. sure. But I do clicking on some of the ones down bottom where you can see it is including social media, but like this was trending on TikTok. This is super specific to your space. And I do like Marketing Brew for that. I think they've done a good job of moving themselves off of their newsletter and onto social media channels, which is good. But I feel like for me, that's my usual go-to. I can't really think
1: of anything else that I would use other than social just because that's where I am all day, every day, unfortunately. That's so true. You know how I like to leverage social? I do this cross channel education where I will see something come up on Instagram and I'll look on LinkedIn and then that helps me search for what I actually like the hottest topic that's trending. Because I always feel like if you have like the alerts for trending topics, I, it just gives you such a smorgasbord, but in this space, you do have to have like your finger on the pulse of what's this next conversation going on. Not to date this particular podcast, but uh, the same thing happened to me yesterday as I'm scrolling. Yeah, and or no, I was part of. I'm a part of a Facebook group, and someone was talking about Lizzo, and I was like, oh man, and this is such a shameful thing to admit, but I just don't watch the news and I don't no, keep up I on it. Either. I wait for the alerts to come up on social media and then oh boy. Then I do the whole deep dive. I was like, now I need to know all of the things about it so that I can no, have too. an opinion about it.
0: So unfortunately I'm I will say that. The news is depressing. I follow good news movement because I want to see a little goodness here and there. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm ignorant for not watching the
1: news, but uh I just can't. It makes me sad. <laughs> It's. It also gets so heavy, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to balance it out. But that's also why I, I like to ask that question as well, too. I'm always really curious as to where and how people are staying up with trends and any good newsletter or group that I could be a part of is like what I'm a part of. And not that I check it daily, but... I know it's there. I know it's no, there in the background. Good. Hey, a good networking Slack
0: group is always golden too. And I'm in a oh, few of those and I love so them. true. But they all find their stuff on social too for the most part. But I do love yeah. them.
1: <laughs> I like that. Okay. You ready to talk strategy? Were you I ready am. ready to talk marketing <laughs> strategy? Okay. So the topic of conversation today is about developing an affiliate program. So I'd love to hear from you what you believe are like the key components on the brand side for a successful affiliate program. Cause I know that a lot of brands want it. They don't even know where to start. What do you have to have in place?
0: Yeah, it's so tough. I think the platform is super important, but also the person that's running it. And I think even still like I've talked to some really big brands out there and they're still running things off of spreadsheets. If you have someone who's a really big spreadsheet guru and they have equations to pay influencers in affiliate marketing, link, commission, et cetera, then that's fine. I live in my platform because I don't want to have to do all that extra work because I'm also doing social and mood boards for photo shoots and things like that. I just don't have the time to manage a full spreadsheet. For me, I think the biggest thing is always the person that's running your program. I think that this person, you have to think of it as I just listened to another podcast recently where somebody was talking about the energy in a conversation is 75% of the conversation. It's not what you're saying to the person. They're feeling your energy. They're seeing your body movement. If you don't feel genuine or authentic to that creator, then they are not going to do your affiliate program because no one wants to make 5% commission on a pair of God knows what that you're selling. It's just, it's not, exciting you have to really basically like for me when i first started this program at osmo i was going off of no budget i basically was like here's what i'm going to do to try to get people on board I had five partners that we worked with because they were friends of Nick's, who is our main founder at Osmo. We make cooking and finishing salts for people who don't know what Osmo salt is. But basically they were like cooks on Instagram and TikTok and other people saw them using our products. So that was already exciting for people to be like, okay, this person uses the salts, like I want to use it too. And that got me some more like, micro and semi-larger creators, but I'll say If I were to reach out to someone who has like 5 million followers on TikTok or Instagram, usually I'm going to be reaching out to their agency. And an agency, probably 99.9% of the time will say, we will absolutely not be doing a commission deal because they have to eat. Everybody has to eat. And that's kind of the issue with an affiliate program. So if you don't have the right person in that seat to really not convince people to do it, but like make them want to enjoy Being a part of a small community like this,
1: that is what's going to be the number one thing that makes people want to join. So really, it's having the right person in place to develop those relationships to get people to say yes. What kind of traits, because I want to unpack that, because I also believe that's so incredibly important. You can't just stick anyone to manage an affiliate program. It has to be the right person. Do you think it's... What kind of characteristics... I as a brand would be looking for in that person? Is it someone that's approachable? Is it someone that authentically speaks? Is it, I don't know, like what kind of characteristics, if you're like having to give it to the recruiter, like this is the type of person that I want you to bring back to me. This is the type of person I want you to bring back to me. So share some kind of characteristic traits that would be helpful.
0: No, you nailed that 100%. Authenticity is everything. I think someone who's approachable, someone who is charismatic, someone who is outgoing, someone who you could probably put them in a room of random strangers and they would talk to all of them and know their name by the time they left just because they were interested in learning more and getting to know someone. You really can't have someone who like feels uncomfortable being told no or feels uncomfortable asking the hard questions, talking about money and like learning more. I think you also really need to have someone who's a really good listener because these people, these creators, they're not just creators. They're human beings. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be valued for the work that they're putting out there. They take so much time out of their day to make this content. If I'm Taking 15 minutes out of my day to hop on a call with one of these creators, it's going to be for them to talk to me and not me to talk at them. So I really want to hear like more about their experience, how they got into this realm. What can I do to like make this program better for you to want to be in it? I sent out a poll when I first started the program after I had maybe 20, 25 creators. I was like, what do you want from this program? A lot of them said flat rate fees and like payments for their work. And I totally understand that. But at the same time, it's if you don't have that person that's willing just to go the extra mile for your creators, then you're really not going to have someone that's fit and build out your program. And it's all about brand awareness at the end of the day. It's not always the revenue, but having people be happy and connected to that person is huge.
1: That feeds into, I feel, the word of mouth that we had talked about for when you were doing event marketing and really pushing that because that will never go away. People talk. That's
0: totally. And they all talk to each other.
1: Yes. They all yes. Talk to and each other. then they w- recount stories from other people that aren't even theirs to the point yeah. where it's this massive game of telephone. So it can definitely yeah. have an impact. Yeah. So we've talked about what you have to have in place. We've talked about the right person to manage and run this affiliate program. I'd love to dive into what type of influencer is the right fit, especially since you brought up the example of if they have. A million followers, they don't want the 5%. So, who, if I'm a brand, who's it that I'm looking for? Not just like the right fit for my brand, but should I completely take off like those mega and celebrity influencers off of like even the affiliate program? Should I just be looking at nano and micro? What are your thoughts on the right type of influencer?
0: That's such a good question. And I think follower count doesn't really speak to that as much either. I definitely have some creators that I work with that have millions of followers that are doing it for commission. But I think that it really just depends on the creator themselves and the relationship that you build with them. I think that something that I've done a lot is I had a creator who, when we first reached out to him like a year ago, he had 68,000 followers maybe on Instagram, and now he has almost 500K. So it's those creators that you see their potential and their success and their growth. And basically just reach out to them and be like, hey, you're looking to grow. We're looking to grow. Let's do it together. I want to support you. How can we do that for you as a small brand? Who can I connect you with? I want to be sure that you're able to meet other brands throughout this experience. What can I do to make sure that like you feel valued? I think too, you could have someone that has a hundred followers. You could have someone that has 5 million. That it really doesn't change their answer at the end of the day. i, I do think agencies have a hard policy for like, we need flat rate because we have to hit our goals. But I think if you never know, like you could message an influencer through a brand page on their Instagram and be like, hey, we would love to send you some product. Please let us know where to send it. Some of them might be like, hey, here's my agency's email. Please email yeah. this person. Some might just email back and be like, hey, yeah, I'd love to try it. You can send it here. You really never know. At the end of the day, They have these kind of unspoken rules with their agencies where they're like, all right, if I have a paid deal coming in, obviously you need to make a cut. But for gifting, you really don't. You may just get like a lucky day where they're checking the request and they might be like, okay, yeah, I'd love to try your product. But I think that for the influencer, you were talking more about like their personality and what I would be looking for. I think for this, it's just like someone who's for a small brand like Osmo, like willing to just like give us a shot. I think I'm super flexible. I'll always negotiate with people. Like if they feel they shouldn't be making 10% commission to start and they should be making 20. Sure. I don't care. I'm happy to give you the 20% commission as long as you're going to post about us. That sounds great. I'll do whatever you'd like. And at the end of the day, it's 20% or like they want the five grand. I'd rather give you the 20% commission because that means you're generating a sale for us. Absolutely. It's tough. But I think for me, in this space i think just making sure that who we're working with they value the brand as much as we do they want to see us grow so they're going to help us like it at the end of the day it is about them making extra dollars for like what they're doing and the content that they're creating but like a lot of my influencers and creators will include us in a recipe just because and things like that shows the added value for me of having them on my team and i always tell them when i'm onboarding people The people who are willing to join collective, because I tell them all the time, I'm like, in the future, as we grow, I want to be able to pay all of you. I want to be able to do flat rate deals. I want to be able to reach out to you for a really big campaign where we do like a large product drop and have you create a really cool video for us and like pay you for it. But like, if you're not a part of our collective and you're not here to grow with us, then I won't be reaching out. It doesn't take a lot for you to be like, yeah, sure, I'd love to get two free salts a month, and I'd love to have a link in code. If you share once a month, I would still consider you. But if you just take your salt and then you just don't post, and I totally get it. Everybody wants to be paid and commission an affiliate doesn't mean you'll always get paid, which I totally understand. But I think that the people who are willing to do it know that their audience is very strong. They know that they have a good community. They know that people are listening to them. And the people who aren't
1: as willing probably know that they don't drive revenue. And that's just simple as that. And Or they don't know how to do it. And there's one thing that I do want to backtrack too, because you mentioned it's great if they include us on a recipe post that they're doing. And especially, now I have a lot of things to say. (laughs) So I want to backtrack to like, the nice surprise of being included on the recipe, because I also think that for affiliate marketing on the influencer side, that's passive income. So the goal is to, to have it live beyond just one post or one story or whatever that's like. So I find that affiliates really work for people who have existing blogs and websites, which is a great convergence for Osmosalt, right? Because it is, it's built in recipes. If you've got a blog, then have it live just in there. So I'm curious when you're trying to find that right influencer is the website and a blog, even something that you're thinking through or thinking about? Um,
0: It's such a good question. I feel like there are two ways to look at affiliate and I feel like affiliate could be a blogger or someone who is constantly like feeding things through their blog or they're using Rakuten and things like that. But like, those are usually things that I'm not focusing on. I'm more on the influencer side of social where it's, okay, this person has a TikTok shop or this person has a link in bio and they include other brands where it's like, you can get 10% off Scrub Daddy or you can get 10% off of Hexclad, things like that, where it's like brands that we also vibe with and would love to be included with in that list. And it's okay. If you already include this brand, what's another I think that the creators that have hundreds of discount codes, they're like oversaturated and like that probably wouldn't be the best fit for us. But I do think the creators who choose to work with a select group of brands and like maybe they use us consistently in their videos and people comment, What salt are you using? What product was that? Usually, I see this a lot too on like ads for certain companies. If they hashtag ad, or, but use another product in their video, usually people aren't asking about the product in the video. They're asking about something else because they yeah. know that the product that they're pushing is paid for. So it's a tough spot too, but I do think it's like the beauty of affiliate where like you can conclude it wherever you want and you can keep it so organic. And that's like the best part for me as someone pushing creators in the right direction is like, affiliate is your friend because you don't have to be inauthentic ever. It's just like products you love. Great. Link it. People will find it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Great. Link it. Here it is. Here it is. But I am just curious when you're building out like the campaign with the influencer for your affiliate program, it's a lot. They have to push it out as much as humanly possible, I would think, because they want to get the commission. So it's great if they have one viral video, and then you get all the clicks from that. So I would assume that you're also looking for the type of influencers that are going to think of creative ways to showcase their affiliate links as well. Because it is just a pay to click, pay to play. Mm, That's not what I want to say. No, I know Um, what I mean. Yeah, it's like something was clicking. I, I need more coffee, but y- you no, get what I'm saying. Like you need, right. you do. You need someone that's gonna repost and repost. So I'm curious, like when you're developing that campaign for that influencer in the program, are you giving them a minimum of times to post and where, or do you give them a lot of freedom, do with it what you will?
0: That's a good question too. I think a lot of brands who do affiliate marketing have a set of guidelines and like rules, but I don't, I was never a rule follower myself to be quite honest with you. So I just, I personally feel if you are not paying an influencer, you cannot request things from them. I do not set expectations. The only thing that I state is you have three months to make $250. And if you do not, then you are moved to ambassadors instead of being in the Osmo Collective. For the collective, you receive two salts a month. You receive newsletters. It's like constant upkeep community. For the ambassadors, it's like touch and go. I don't need to pay attention to them as much as I appreciate them sharing about us, but they're not the ones driving revenue. They might have incredible content. Maybe I bring them back because they are strong content creators, but at the end of the day, they still deserve to be paid and given credit for what they're creating. So I'm happy to send those people salt hopefully and eventually pay them for their content if it's really strong and has that not like viral, but strong views and impressions. But I do really think that with that being said, I want to encourage them to join in some way, shape or form. Okay. If you don't hit this, we're not able to like continue working with you. So we're going to move you. And I want to create that not like fire under their ass. I just want to make sure that they're Encouraged to share, not that not that they're forced to, but it's okay. It's not super hard to make the two hundred and fifty dollars. And I made sure that like when I created our structure, I was like, I made it exciting to hit that marks. Once you hit the two fifty, you have an increased commission. Once you hit five hundred, you have an increased commission. So like they're very small benchmarks, and it makes it easier and more exciting to do, especially yeah. for a, a program where I'm not going to be paying you flat rate all the time.
1: Do you have best practices for where to set the commission percentage for a tiered system like that? Because I'm with you 100%. I think making them, sounds bad, but making them work for it, right, means that they are now invested in it. I've got this one very specific goal that gets me to the next level that gets me to the next level. So in a tiered system like that, what's your advice or best practices on where to even start that commission? structure? Is it 5%? Is it 2%? Is it 20%?
0: No, it's such a good question. And I, I also do like some affiliate work personally, because I also like to see it from an influencer standpoint, being in this space. It's fun for me. So I just joined one recently and I won't name brands or names, but it was like a 3% commission start. And I was like, that's really not exciting. I'm going to give some feedback. (laughs) Not that they wanted to hear it, I'm sure. But (laughs) I, when people started at Osmo, We have a 10% start. 10% is like, it's not like huge. If you make a sale of, let's say $20, okay, you're going to make $2. That's not that exciting, but because usually people will buy multiple flavors, it's okay. If you sell $60 worth of salt, then you make $6 and then you have an easier way to make it to $250. $250 is like our highest price point item. It's if someone were to buy an Osmo Vault, that's like a $250 item. And it includes all of our products. But since we have lower price point items, I wanted to start it out at a lower price point to hit. And I think that brands need to like think about it too. It's okay, what's your profit margin? How high can you go on giving out commission? And also what is the cost of your product? How much product can I send my influencers? What's the percentage? Like, How can I make this enticing? So like for us, I have no problem telling people what it is at all. It's like 10% is what you're starting at. Once you hit 250, it's up to 12.5%. Once you hit 500, it's 15. Once you hit 1,000, it's 17.5. And then once you hit, I think it was 3K, you're bumped up to 20. And then if you hit 5K, it's 25. But that's the max. The only creators that I would ever increase it for are the ones that are bringing in 10, 20K revenue for us. Yeah. And these are the people that are like, okay, I know that you are going to bring in revenue. You are going to ROI. Let's do
1: a paid like collaboration with you. I think that yeah, you can keep going. (laughs) No, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was just gonna say that I think that's a great way to suss out in your pool of content creators and influencers who are gonna really be those big return on investment without losing, without losing out. Because as you've just talked about just, just the affiliate program structure. You also brought up brand ambassadors and now you've just said like the paid. So it sounds like not only do you have a tiered affiliate program, but you have a tiered program in general as yeah. it goes to influencer marketing. Is there anything that I'm leaving off of the table? You have brand ambassadors, you have affiliate program, and then you have the flat fee. Is there something else that I, should as a brand listening, should put into play so that I maximize? No,
0: I mean, I think we have like unspoken tears. And I think that it's something like as a smaller brand, you have to weigh these things out. Like we don't always flat rate fee people. We don't always have brand ambassadors. We, you kind of have to see where you're at quarter after quarter as a small brand and just see what you can do. I think with this in particular, it's like also as a brand, money isn't everything. Like it is But you also have to think about the brand awareness play. It's even though this creator might be bringing in $100 a month for you, what's their content like? What are their views? What is the brand awareness factor there? And it's, okay, how do I look at my impressions over the past quarter? How many influencers did I bring on in the past month? Have my impressions increased? Have they decreased? Do I have too many creators that I'm managing and then I'm falling away from managing the ones that are really bringing in the revenue for me? At the end of the day, it's such like a give and take. You have to find that middle ground where you're like, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket with the person bringing in the most money because if you do that, say that person doesn't want to work with you anymore, now you've stopped communicating with all the other people that are bringing in just a little bit of revenue for you, but not that top tier. It's such a, I don't know, it's so hard to like really pick a balance. Every brand is so different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, but I think that you've also provided really great advice for even figuring out the commission structure, right? It is something that you have to unpack. You could pull it out of your butt if you wanted to. And if so, then that's definitely something test that you're testing. But I feel like the downside of testing at a higher percentage for any affiliate program is that then you get the people that are in that program Already very excited about it. So you can never like downgrade, or if you do, it's you have to think so much about the experience. So I have one final question before my final question. At least I think it's my final question. I like, (laughs) I feel like I had three final questions before we got here, but I'm curious as to what you have in place, or if you have something in place to just connect with those influencers are you creating a community for them do you have check-ins is it a newsletter is it a monthly zoom is what do you have in place so that everybody knows where they're at and you're you are building those relationships and being a cheerleader to them for you
0: It's so important I over the past year and almost a half that I've been at Osmo I've been implementing new things consistently and as I said before I used to send out surveys to them and ask what do you want to see in the program? what is something that you see at other brands that they're doing well and not trying to toot my own horn, but they always tell me I'm doing it the best (laughs) to toot my friend. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I always love to learn from them though. I do. I always love to learn from them because it's so important to make your program better and work around them because they're the ones in it. It's not what I want. It's what they want. For me, I just started them last month. We had our first one and I was very excited. I had a a webinar basically. I had them all on. Right now I have about like 72 creators in my program. And I think the last time we talked, I had 30. So I'm pretty happy about that. A
1: lot. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I love it. I wouldn't say all of them are super active. I would say probably like 40, 45 are pretty active, but to me that's still really strong. It's more than half. And I started just like calendar inviting them all. I do monthly newsletters already. And sometimes I do bi-weekly, just pending on if we have promos or if we have a new product dropping, but I just started. The first one was an Osmo 101, just teaching them about the program, getting them to know each other. I had 10 people on the call, which is pretty good for our first call. So I was happy about that. And I told them ultimately my goal for the webinars and for these calls isn't just to teach them about Osmo. It's like how to have like best practices as a creator, how to use different social media platforms, how to build a media kit is the one that we're doing next week. Just because I've seen this so many times and like, I want to Really support them in finding other brands to work with as well. Because at the end of the day, if I'm supporting them, they're always going to support me and they're always going to be there to support Osmo as long as I'm giving them the tools that they need. And I think that it's such a huge win for them to be able to work with other brands as well. Especially since I'm only offering them an affiliate program at this time, I want them to get paid flat rate deals. I just don't have that budget right now. If I can give them Anything. It's like, how can I help you build a media kit? How can I help you structure your Instagram feed to make it prettier or like whatever you like? How can I teach you about the TikTok algorithm or trends or anything that's going on? How to use Canva, literally anything. So that's been what I've started doing with them. I sent out a survey. They told me what they wanted to learn and do. So
1: that's been like my goal at the moment is just making more of those once a month i think that's amazing you're adding so much more value to your program by thinking about their needs and it's interesting because i feel like you you're i feel like you're downplaying how many creators you have because yes maybe the number is 75 and you're like there's 40 45 active but that's a lot of relationships to maintain because they're not the only people in your life. They're part of like your work life. If you think about how many people you have to keep track of in your personal life on top of it too, and then doing it from a business sense, that to me sounds like a lot of conversation. Or maybe that's the inner introvert in me that's screaming out, ah, it's too much (laughs) overstimulation.
0: Oh man, I love it though. They're great. It's fun. And all of them aren't posting at the same time. So it's like, I think of it as I have 45 kids and I need to give them attention on different days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they're all my favorite. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I I do have the final question and I'm going to cheat and I'm going to read it out loud just because I'd practiced it obviously beforehand. And (laughs) Nope, the words were just not coming out right. So (laughs) if you knew then what you know now, what's the marketing advice that you give to yourself? I think
0: looking back at little Jess getting her first job in corporate marketing at Organifi, I think the one piece of advice I would give myself is to the girl that was always complaining, I didn't have a budget and I didn't have money. And I wanted to be able to spend whatever I wanted to spend on all these pretty pieces of content and all that stuff. Money does not equal brand awareness. It does not equal impressions. It does not equal relationships. And I think that the biggest thing I've learned over the years is the more time and energy that you give to your creators and your community, the more you will get back. Regardless of if it's word of mouth or brand awareness or just random little pieces of content sprinkled in from like a random creator you didn't think would do that for you. I think it just goes a long way. Money can only do so much,
1: it's never going to build out the program that you desire. I am obsessed with that answer. (laughs) I love it because it is so true. I am, I'm definitely the marketer that's. I still say that. I'm like, I don't have the budget. If I had a budget, I'd be able to do all (laughs) these things. But it's tough. I feel like it is tough, but that's such great advice. And I hope everybody who's listening has taken all of the knowledge bomb nuggets that Jess has dropped. Thank you so much for coming on here and just sharing so much information. I absolutely appreciate you. And I think that you're amazing. Thank you, Katya. I think you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Bye. Bye. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast just as much as I did. Jess is obviously a a personal friend, but also a friend of the podcast. Are you ready for the key takeaways? Because I do feel like this episode had a lot of juicy ones. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, the importance of relationship building in influencer marketing. That's obviously going to feed into Affiliate. So authenticity and approachability are really critical characteristics for an influencer marketing manager. Whoever is managing a program with creators really must be able to foster genuine connections with influencers and ensure that they feel valued and heard. The value of listening cannot be overstated. You have to be really good at listening because ultimately, whoever you're working with wants to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be valued for the work that they're putting out there for you as a brand. I think that that is also something that can be challenging for a brand. How do you determine whether someone is good at building relationships, right? When you're hiring, I think it's really about the questions that they ask. Are they thoughtful when they get a response? Are there nonverbal communication signals there? What are they sending your way? You know, nonverbal goes such a long way. What does their nonverbal look like? We talk a lot about building relationships when it comes to many different marketing tactics, but not everyone is really good at building relationships. It's not a given. So definitely flesh it out. Look at what they're saying. Look at what they're not saying, right? And what I mean by that is like, are they sitting forward? Do they smile when they're not talking, do they nod when they're listening or when you're talking to them. So lots of things to look out for. Key takeaway number two. Now, when it comes to affiliate marketing, set up a tiered system to give you and your creators options. Now, creating tiers for different commission amounts is what I mean by a tiered system. Having creators work their way to the higher commission can make them just as invested as you are in their success. A tiered commission structure can really motivate influencers to generate more sales as they earn higher commissions when they reach certain benchmarks. This is also a great way to compile a creator roster for all needs. Now I've personally seen brands execute, uh, you know, I'm doing quotes here. I've seen them execute a quote unquote street team tier. It doesn't even have a commission percentage attached to it yet but it's more based on impressions and brand awareness once they've achieved x amount of impressions then they can start earning commission so i think with a tiered program it gives you a lot of flexibility for an affiliate program and it also gives you the flexibility of identifying the creators in your roster that would make great affiliates for your brand number three and use your pro community, I personally am obsessed with community. Anybody who knows me knows this. It's important to create a sense of community among influencers in an affiliate program, providing them with education, support, and a platform to connect with each other. And that platform can be Slack. It can be Discord. It can be a private Instagram account, but give them a place to be able to connect not only with you, but with one another a community of influencers who value the brand and wants to see it grow. It goes a long way. And honestly, even investing in micro influencers who will grow into macro influencers will keep your costs down in the future with your future influencer campaigns, because they're loyal to the community you've created for them. What are some of your key takeaways? Reach out to me on LinkedIn and share them in a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to hear, I want to learn, what did you take away from this episode? You can listen to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, obviously Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thank you to my podcast producers, Content Allies. They truly make producers this podcast a dream come true. Check out the episode page to learn a little bit more about Jess. Thanks for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic. Reality. This is Katya signing off.